Hello and welcome in everyone to another episode of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast and I'm your host Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. And today we're joined, we have a full house actually. We have our resident celebrity Zach Braff. You can follow him on Twitter at BraffZ. We have George Montanez. You can follow him on Twitter at jmontanez90. And we're lucky enough to have, like I said, a full house. We have John joining us tonight. We're going to let John introduce himself a little bit and then we're going to get started. So John, go ahead and uh, Tell these guys a little bit about yourself. Hey, guys. I'm John Margolis. Twitter handle is jmargo, M-A-R-G-O, 2-3. I live in Lake Tahoe, California. Currently been here for 15 years. I'm from originally from Philadelphia. And professional sports fo- photographer is trade. And glad to get started with you guys on the, on the fantasy podcast. Looking forward to it. It's my pleasure, man. Um, he's the fourth and final musketeer to this group of ours. We're glad to have him. I'm glad to have all you guys, and I look forward to working with you guys going forward. But with that said, today uh, this is episode seven. We're going to go ahead and cover some draft strategy. We have, you know, the final weekend of drafting, essentially, right before the regular season starts. And before we actually get into that, we're going to go ahead and touch up on some recent news. I mean, we just had an episode a couple days ago, and we've had crazy signings. We We had the Mike Trout signing, the Bregman signing sales sign this morning we just have so much going on it's throwing us off a little bit uh snell signed that five-year deal as well brandon lowe signed a long-term deal brandon lowe is obviously not on that same level but the initial thoughts are that he's going to go ahead and be up with the club from go now so there's no real question if he's going to be sent down he's more he's more of a deeper league guy middle uh, middle infielder if you have that type of spot to fill uh utility definitely 15 team relevant guy maybe some deeper 12 teamers beyond that not much to it so one of the bigger pieces of news, though, that we just that just happened, that just occurred, was Matt Olson went ahead and broke his handmade bone during that Seattle series, apparently. And that usually could be anywhere from a six to ten week injury. There actually is no timetable set out at this time. Zach, what do you have to say about the uh, Olson injury? So yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, six to ten weeks is a rough estimate. Last year, we saw Justin Turner come down with the same injury, kind of towards the end of spring training. And he was out, um, I don't know the exact time frame, but you're looking at probably like an eight-week time frame. And when he did come back, I mean, it definitely took some of his power. Um, it took him a couple of weeks to kind of get his swing back. So, I mean, even if Olsen does come back in the eight-week time frame, I don't know if you can expect the same type of power numbers from him right away. I mean, you're still looking at 10-week recovery time for him to get back to his, his normal skill set. I just don't know if it's something that I would even consider at this point. I think he can maybe take a late-round flyer or even just keep an eye out on the waiver wire for him. But I don't know if it's something that you really need to consider at this point in time, considering the news. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if somebody drops him, I have no problem picking him up and stashing him. So I'm hoping somebody does drop him. I think he's a big enough name. And I do honestly think he's going to be a great buy-low candidate because there are going to be people who do just keep on getting these injuries throughout the season. And then they have to either make a move or drop a guy. And nobody wants to drop a, the name, Matt Olson. And I'm, I'm one of the guys that's always trying to take advantage of it. So keep that in mind. And again, there is no timetable. It can be as little as six weeks, as late as 10 weeks, but I'd say eight to 10 and then give it some time to get to gain some power back, like he said. So that's Matt Olson. You definitely have to uh, keep that in mind going into your drafts this weekend. Another big uh, injury happened just last day or two is that uh, Knebel went ahead and apparently has an uh, elbow injury. Well, that's probably going to end up being Tommy John because I feel like it always is, but it's not. It's still probably going to be a long-term injury because they're being pretty hush-hush about it. And you have Jeffress out. 
rumblings of Kimbrel, which I don't see Kimbrel going there because Kimbrel likes long-term deals and they don't do long-term deals, it seems. So you got to think Hader's probably the favorite for early season saves until Jeffers gets back. And I was thinking, oh, well, what about Woodruff and Burns? But apparently they're in the rotation. And, George, I know you wanted to go ahead and touch on that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing I did want to add uh, regarding Knable, uh, he is pitching with the UCL injury. Uh, apparently it's something that he's been pitching through and it's just flared up. So he is getting a second opinion. We do see guys sometimes pitch through this. Um, so, yeah, last year we saw Shohei Otani pitching through it. It did catch up with him. He did get Tommy John surgery. Uh, Tanaka is still pitching through it. So uh, it just depends. We're not really going to know until we hear the news whether he's going to be getting the surgery or not or if they're just going to shut him down for a while. But like you said, I don't think it affects uh, Hater as far as his value all too much. He was already going as one of the top relievers. And then regarding Burns, Woodruff, and uh, Peralta, they were named to the starting rotation with Chase Anderson going to the bullpen. The Brewers are deciding to go ahead and give their young upside arms a, a chance in that rotation, which is, is good for fantasy owners. These are all guys that we were drafting uh, in the late rounds, hoping that they would, they would make that rotation. And then uh, Jimmy Nelson, when, when he's ready to go, they should find a spot for him as well. So, you know, starting pitching was thought of as a weakness for the Brewers. It may not be so much anymore, depending on how these young guys turn out and how they start the season. I'm looking forward to seeing how, how they do. I know I have a couple shares of uh, Woodruff myself, um, and then I, I really like Peralta as well. I like his strike up, up, strikeout upside. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much on board with you. It's going to be very interesting to see how they do with all those young, unproven but very exciting players. So with that being said, oh, look, another injury. Jeanette got hurt today. Apparently, he was fielding a ball and had to be carted off the field. I guess it's thought to be a groin injury. It's unknown severity at this time. They're going to be doing an MRI soon. Everybody would be like, oh, this is the Senzel time. No, I think, unfortunately, I, even though that's his like, position of choice, they seem to be really committed to making him a center fielder, or at least that's what they're saying, and they're really going to hold, hold to their guns to get that extra year of service time. Regardless, I don't think Senzel's going to come up. Uh, Jose Iglesias appears to be next in line, and we all know we've all been there. We're not, no, don't even think about it. <laughs> Just be patient for uh, Senzel or Jeanette, whoever comes back or comes up first. But the last piece of news that's very exciting that has the fantasy world ablaze is Eloy signing. That all but suggests that he's going to start the year up with the big club. Now, John, I know you have a lot of Eloy. What are your thoughts on this? I think it's a good decision for the White Sox not dealing with the service time problems or newsworthy items that come along with that. And it proves that they want to have them in their lineup when to start the season, which is what people are paying to see and how they're going to win games. Um, I think he's being taken a little bit higher in drafts after they announce that. So that's something they might want to keep an eye on in drafts this weekend. He's definitely going to go higher in ADP. And Zach, I understand you're also very invested in Eloy this offseason. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big Eloy guy. I've been a big fan. I've been watching him for, for a few years now. So just to get the numbers right, so he signed. So it was a six-year, $43 million deal. He's got two club options that could get this deal up to 75 mil. It's actually the most money ever for a prospect that has never played an inning of Major League Baseball. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So Eloy came over from the, from the Cubs, and the Quintana deal was ceased. I think in a few years that deal is just going to look atrocious. It already looks pretty bad for the Cubs at this point. Um, I think they're going to really regret getting rid of Eloy and Cease, who's going to be a stud 
but I digress on that. But Eloy last year, I mean, he just put up some unreal numbers. He hit 337 average, 384 OBP, 577 slugging, 22 home runs, 75 ribbies between double A and triple A. The guy hits Roy Hobbs-esque home runs. He's breaking light posts out in left field. <laughs> He's hitting cars out in right field. I mean, this guy is just unreal. It's not confirmed, but I mean, based on this news, it's likely that he is going to start in the majors now. Um, I mean, he's really, he's, he's their best player probably right now. He's just, he's, he's going to come up and he's going to do some serious damage. He should slot right into the middle of that order, right into right field. And from the fantasy's perspective, we did a, uh, a podcaster's league draft the other night. And Eloy, this was right after the news broke. He went 94th in a recent draft. Some guys that he was sandwiched in between were Cast- Castellanos from Detroit and Wheeler from the Mets. Guys like Michael Conforto, who already has a few years of big league experience, went after him. So it's really, it's a personal preference. I mean, if you're, if it's a dynasty, if it's a redraft, keeper league, you might want to reach, you really have strong feelings for this guy, which I do. I know a lot of other people do. You might have to reach for him pretty high, but that's kind of where he's going. I mean, he's in like the 90 80 to 90 range right now in standard drafts. But if you feel that strongly, I mean, you're going to have to reach for this guy because he might be making that much of an impact in in fantasy this season. That's a travesty. I refuse to accept that he's going before Conforto. I refuse to accept it. You're you're high on your buddy Conforto. I mean, I love Conforto. I'm a huge Conforto fan. I have a lot of, I have more stock in Conforto than Eloy at this point, but I don't know, man. Eloy is, is tempting. He really is. It's the shiny new toy, man. I get it. Everybody wants it. It's going to yeah. sell out of stores. I'll go ahead and take last year's shiny new toy. I'm pretty sure Comforto was similarly thought of last year before his injury or coming off the injury. People were really high on him. It is a tough call, though. I really don't know. I mean, Comforto. No, I do. I know. It's Comforto first. Eloy oh, second. No, you're, you're all over here. <laughs> he, he's, your guy, he's your team, and I'm like, I can't get enough of him. I'd also like to add that Jose Abreu is probably going to have a bounce-back season this year, and that's that'll be important with that lineup. I think that team could be a little, little surprising. I mean, neat, the pitching. If Rodon can actually hit on that damn upside and pedigree of his, that'd be nice. Love Rodon. Imagine if they signed Machado also. Well, they didn't, though. Stacked lineup. They ruined it. They didn't come up. They didn't come with money. They just signed all his friends and his family. We discussed Eloy. That was kind of like the big topic. We're gonna go ahead and jump into this now. Like I said, we're gonna be covering head-to-head leagues. We're gonna be covering some roto talk, some head-to-head categories, a little bit of everything. We're gonna give you our general approaches, our strategies, how we like to approach these drafts, and also we're gonna throw in a few guys that we like to target in these formats specifically that maybe gain a little value or they're just solid players to look at in the middle to end of your drafts that you can really build around or help or help be parts that you build around your core with. So with that being said, George, what's your general approach and strategy when you go into a head-to-head points league? Right. So uh, in head-to-head points leagues, the first thing you want to do is definitely know your league settings, uh, know how points are scored. Um, that's really what you want to do at, to look for what you can exploit. So if pitching scoring is pushed up or uh, if you don't get penalized for strikeouts that'll push certain hitters up Uh, so you definitely want to look first to see you know what is scored in your league Um, now as far as my approach to points leagues what I look for is for guys who are consistent because you usually they are you know they're head-to-head so you're playing guys you're playing weekly matchups so you want players who are going to be consistent week over week you're not really looking at the end 
numbers you're looking how they're going to do for you yeah week in and week out yeah so when i go into a, a points league draft usually you know i, I look at strikeout percentage um you know the higher the strikeout percentage the more uh, variance you're going to get week over week with guys that's you know streaky hitters tend to have higher strikeout percentages so they can you know what those are the guys you say can win you or lose you certain weeks walk rates as well guys who walk a lot are tend to do better in points leagues because you get those points for for the walks and and the the obp another thing that you look at that i look at in points leagues that you wouldn't look at in categories or roto leagues is extra base hits so in points leagues you do get extra points for doubles triples so that that's something I look at as well. So if a guy is is getting a lot of extra base hits, he's gonna he's gonna get those bonuses for that. Pitching tends does tend to be pushed up. Guys who you know innings and strikeouts are really gonna be counted the most in points leagues. So guys who pitch a lot of innings get a lot of strikeouts, and the quality starts as well. So that's something else that you want to check. You know how many points do you get for quality starts? How many points do you get for wins? Because those can be big bonuses. Certain leagues can give big bonuses for quality starts. Um, some give more for wins. It just depends on on your league settings. But innings and strikeouts are really what you want to look for in, in pitchers in, in points leagues. Two-start pitchers are actually valued a lot more as well. When a pitcher has two strike two starts in a week, that, that's going to be a big help in your lineup uh, in, in points leagues. If you have uh, daily lineups, then usually – you know, you see guys, you know, put just nothing but pitchers on their bench that, that they could stream. And uh, weekly lineups, you see sometimes a little bit more balanced uh, rosters. You know, you tend to look for the, the same type of, of players. So when hitters are concerned, you want, you know, lower strikeout rates, higher walk rates, more consistency, higher OBP. And then home runs tend to be two or three times you know, the points as a, as a steal. So steals can be devalued, you know, significantly in points leagues. You know, a, a guy who chips in five or six steals, really, you're not really going to care about that in a points league. Um, whereas, you know, in a roto league, you know, five or six steals can make a big difference uh, with, with every player, you know. So that, that's just some of the differences in, in what I look for. So, George, with that being said, I like your approach. I tend to agree with you, but who are a few guys you're going to target in this format? Some, some of the guys that, for me, get that I like to rank higher in, in points leagues are guys like uh, Robinson Cano. You look at some of the second basemen going around Cano, like Rugnan Odor, Jonathan Villar. Uh, I'd, I'd much rather have Cano, his consistency, week over week. He doesn't strike out nearly as much as, as those guys. You know, he only strikes out like 13% of the time, which is really, really good. And then he's probably played more games than anyone over the last – decade so you know you're getting the volume with the solid average and power so he, he's someone I definitely value more in points leagues than in categories or roto another guy is like Andrew McCutcheon Andrew McCutcheon is going to be leading off for the Phillies and so he's going to be scoring a lot of runs he's a guy that gets on base a lot he's going to be playing in a park that's going to be better for him than any other park that he's played in you know San Francisco Pittsburgh he showed a little bit last year in New York I think believe he hit about six home runs, if I'm not mistaken, in, in New York. Yeah, he's going to be hitting in a, a good lineup at, at the very top with good counting stats. So, you know, McCutcheon right now is being drafted as the 39th outfielder. And uh, for me, he's someone that if, if you're going to get him as the 39th outfielder off the board, he's, he can get you good uh, outfield two, outfielder two numbers. 
you know, those are, those are a couple guys I really like. One of the deeper guys that I, I'd like to mention, Kristen Stewart, outfielder for, for Detroit. He's a guy that uh, going at the very end of drafts, you can probably get him in a 12-team league as your utility guy, or if you're in a five-outfielder league, you can get him as, you know, your outfielder four or five. Think, you know, he's got great power, walks a ton. So he, he's another guy uh, late to keep an eye on uh, in, in points leagues. So, Zach, I think you're on board with George with all this stuff. Is your approach similar? Do you have a little bit of differences? And maybe some of the players you like in this format. Yeah, I mean, George, he made some great points there. Um, we share a lot of the same philosophies in the points leagues. I know some people aren't as high on points leagues. I mean, it's it's a lot less skill-based, a lot more luck. I mean, you could you could have the second most points on a given week and you could still lose and the lowest, uh, like second to lowest person in, in points that week get a win. So it's, it's a lot of luck rather than skill, but I still think it's a very fun format to play in. It's kind of the most similar to your fantasy football structure, which is why a lot of beginners, I would say like the point style play just to piggyback on George and a few things. I personally, I like to go starting pitcher heavy. I like to take starting pitchers early and I like to find some good starting pitchers bit to late. Um, I'm looking for innings, strikeouts, quality starts, like George said. Those are key points. Stolen bases, that's not something that I really reach for. Guys like Mondesi Jr. and Billy Hamilton, those are guys that you will probably never find on any of my teams. Even though, as George was saying, doubles and triples are and home runs will be extra points, uh, they just don't hit enough for me to make it worthwhile so those are not guys that I would reach on I personally like to limit my offensive bench and I like to stack pitching on my bench I typically play in a daily points league so I like to put as many pitchers in as possible I'll stream pitchers as well if I have the space and if I had the roster moves a lot of points leagues will set a, uh, a maximum acquisition limit for a week so you have to look out for that as well Another thing that I particularly don't like to pay for is saves. I like to wait a little bit on saves. I feel like there's good value late in the draft. And especially if your points league counts holds as a stat, if that's the case, then I'm really not even going to bother with saves until the very end because you can find guys like Hader, who is dominant if holds is a stat. You got guys like Hader and Adovino and Andrew Miller who get you just as many points if holds counts. So those are two stats I like to wait for towards the end. And yeah, I mean, me and George, we kind of have a lot of similar philosophies with that. But yeah, it's a great style of play to play in and it's a lot of fun as well. Yeah, I, I agree. And as far as draft philosophy, I just personally, there's so many pitchers that I like going in the mid to late rounds that I just like to grab those elite bats early on. Maybe I'll get two or three pitchers in my top 10 picks. You know, definitely want to grab an ace. I'll go ahead and get one top 10 pitcher, but there's just so many pitchers that I like going late personally. So I will, so I'll stack up those pitchers, you know, like you said, but I'll just, I'll just stack them, you know, in the mid to late rounds. Cause there's just so many, so many guys that I like to be able to do that. I also look at, you know, position eligibility, which, you know, you would do in any format really, but in a points league, you want that position eligibility for, for guys, you want that versatility so that you can stack those pitchers, you know, on the bench to stream or to have more two-star options in a weekly format. Well, like where you guys are coming from, I'm on, I'm on board personally with both of your lines of thinking. Is there a few guys, Zach, that you maybe had in mind 
that you maybe aim for in these types of formats as well? I know George mentioned a few of his. Do you have a couple that you want to mention? Yeah, and kind of piggybacking off of George's point right there with guys that have multi-position eligibility, there's a guy that I really like late in drafts right now, and that's Ryan McMahon of Colorado. He is most likely going to win that starting second base job, taking over for LeMahieu, who left for the Yankees. Um, everybody has been hyping up Garrett Hampson as the uh, as the guy that's going to take over that job. He's a top prospect, steals a lot of bases, so he was he was a real sexy preseason name. But he's been battling some injuries, and McMahon is just raking right now in spring training. He's got splits of 457, batting average 500 OBP, 848 OPS. He's got three homers, seven doubles, and 52 plate appearances this spring. He's just completely outperforming Hampson across the board right now. This job is definitely his to lose. Um, He also... He's got multi-eligibility. He's got first base, second base, third base eligibility. And in in my strategy, I like to have a guy who has that multi-position flexibility, whether he is starting or he's on my bench. I mean, this guy, he gives me a lot of flexibility. And then I really don't have to carry a large bench. And then I can spend the rest of those bench spots on pitching. So McMahon is a guy that I'm really targeting a lot. I mean, you might have to reach for this guy. I had a draft the other night. I reached for him in the 15th round of a 12-team league. I think this is a guy that could be starting on your lineup. He's not even really a bench guy. I really think that this guy, if he can put it all together, I mean, he struggled last year. He had injuries, just had a rough season last year, but it really seems like he put it together. He's having an amazing spring, and he seems to be the clear-cut winner for that second-base job out there. And the flexibility of the first-base, third-base, second-base option is going to be great for your fantasy team as well. So McMahon, I'm very high on. Another guy I'm very high on, shocking, it's a New York Met player. I'm a huge fan, as you guys remember from the last episode. I am just so excited for this guy. I can't, I can't tell you the last time I've been this excited for a Mets prospect. <laughs> and that is Mr. Peter Alonzo. I'm, just, I'm, get, I'm getting excited over here just talking about this guy. So this guy, he led the minor leagues last year in home runs and RBIs. Right now in spring training, he's hitting 352, OVP 386. Slugging 648. He's got four home runs, nine RBIs already. This guy, he's putting in work. I mean, the big knack on this guy is his defense. And he's been putting putting in the work on the backfields every day, working on his defense, trying to get better. And right now he's competing with a guy, Dom Smith, who is kind of known for his defensive prowess. And Dom is actually having a great spring as well. So these two have been competing back and forth, but it sounds like today reports came out that Alonzo is going to make the team and they do not want to platoon him. So he's most likely going to be the main guy there. He's flying up draft charts right now, 180 ADP. But I mean, this weekend with drafts coming, I mean, you're, you're going to have to reach for this guy because he's not a, he's not a secret anymore. Everybody knows about him. And this guy, he legitimately could hit 25 to 30 home runs this year. He's going to bat in the middle of that order. He's a great, great value pick. And especially in points leagues, he gets a lot of extra base hits, the home runs. He gets on base a lot. He walks a lot. He's going to be a great buy for points leagues. Two other guys, I'll kind of join these guys together. Two pitchers, two young pitchers that I'm really high on. I think they'll make a big impact in points leagues as well. Dakota Hudson of the Cardinals and Kyle Wright of the Atlanta Braves. Both are first round picks, highly touted prospects. Dakota Hudson 
reports came out today that he just won the fifth starters job over there. There's obviously there's a, there's some competition over there. You got Alex Reyes, who most likely is going to start the year in a bullpen role, kind of working his way back from injury. You got Carlos Martinez, who is banged up a little bit, but it's looking like he's probably going to be added to the bullpen when he gets back. So if Dakota Hudson pitches the way he's been pitching in spring training, that job is going to be his um, until he loses it. I mean, right now he's got a 1.72 ERA this spring. Last year he pitched as a reliever in September. He had a 2.63 ERA, so he can clearly conquer major league hitters. He's got mid 90 stuff. He's got a nasty sinker. He's a ground ball pitcher. Um, he's got a sinker, fastball, slider, cutter. I mean, he's got he's got some great pitches there. Uh, great arsenal. He's a late round flyer. You can I've, I've really been picking him probably in the last two rounds of all my drafts. I've got him in every league so far because I'm not excited about him. He's a late steal. And Kyle Wright also. Kyle Wright has had a great spring. The only blemish is yesterday he had a rough outing against the Rays. He gave up like six runs in one inning. It was rough, but he's he's another highly touted prospect. He pitched great for them last year when he got the call in September. I think he's definitely worth a late-round flyer. If these guys stick on the big league club, I mean, they can give you – maybe 150 innings, um, and there's a lot of upside there. So I think those are two great late-round pitching picks that you can add to your queue. What you guys said, I'm pretty much on board with, both of you. And just we're going to do a little recap. So George, his guys that he recommends are Robinson Cano, Andrew McCutcheon, and Christian Stewart, and Zach's four guys. We all see his love for Peter Alonzo and the Mets as a whole, Kyle Wright, Dakota Hudson, and Ryan McMahon. So with that being said – I think we covered head-to-head points very well. We're going to go ahead and move over to Roto Leagues. So as far as Roto Leagues go, John, what's your approach? What, what type of strategy do you take into them? Roto is different with, uh, as opposed to head-to-head and head-to-head points, where it's a pretty much a, a season-long grind. So your draft and you're going into needs to be executed very well. Playing the wire, I wouldn't say the waiver wire, it wouldn't be something that I would do, you know, throughout the whole season. And I think that your draft is strong and your draft needs to be strong. I'm, I'm drafting players like Acuna and Robles and Devers and players that get on base a lot and obviously have a lot of steals. And then maybe adding some closers in there as well to up uh, the saves as long as it's a saves category. Some of these leagues have different categories they like to add. But I will grab a stud pitcher early on, like a DeGrom or a Nola, and then add some some pitchers later on in the draft, that like a Glass now or a Strom or Marco Gonzalez, um, to fill out my roster. But I'm definitely grabbing the elite bats early on because these guys get on base and they score runs and they're moving around the, the diamond in, in essence. Yeah, when it comes to Roto, I mean, personally, I'm kind of with you on that. I like to build pretty much a solid all-around team. I don't like to punt. I definitely – and Roto, I will not punt a category at all because that's just asking for failure. It's really hard to win when you have, like, a one in that category. So, so I won't punt categories. I will settle for, for mid-pack. But drafting is huge in Roto Leagues. But you have to stay active and remain active the whole year because the second you stop trying, the second you let off that gas pedal, people are catching you in the standings usually. So you have to stay really active, really aggressive on the waiver wire. I like to trade a ton. Sometimes it's to my detriment because I swear I'm smarter than the next person. Really, I'm just the dumbest guy in the room. It happens. But um, ultimately, Roto Leagues, 
it's the best manager wins, like John said, but essentially at the end of the season, you earn that victory because it's a season long grind and you put in all that effort. Now, you mentioned a few guys. Is there anybody else you really seem to be targeting in these formats specifically? There's a couple guys that come in late in the draft if you're not filling out some positions. Like like Zach mentioned, multi-position players. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. for for the Blue Jays is one of my guys that I feel is going to be getting a lot of plate appearances. He's And someone I feel like is going to be coming on strong this year. He's batting second in the lineup, 65 games last season. He had 263 plate appearances, 11 home runs, and 35 RBIs. I think that he's going to have double that this season. He's a good solid player that's going to be able to uh, fill in your lineup nicely if you miss out on one of the higher tiered second basemen. Another guy would be Jesse Winker. I think he's going to be batting at the front of the lineup with the Reds. Uh, I don't know how messed up the lineup will be now considering Scooter Jeanette could possibly be out and the Senzel situation, but he will be batting in the front of that lineup and that, and that lineup is potent. 89 games last year, 334 plate appearances. He had 43 RBIs. He has a lot of power. I think he has a lot of upside as well. Another player will be Victor Robles, outfielder for the Nats. He didn't have too many stats last year, but he has a ton of speed, and that lineup is potent. And um, a lot of the ballparks they play in in the National League East are going to play to his advantage, and uh, the smaller bar ballparks, uh, I think, will will benefit him a lot yeah I mean Winker like you said Winker I'm a big fan of Winker but yet I have no I have no shares I think it's because there's always somebody higher on, on him in every draft than I am as of right now on roster resource he is projected to hit leadoff and that team even without Scooter Jeanette which Scooter Jeanette was slotted fourth I still think that he's still gonna be a big producer in runs he has a solid on base percentage so if your league does on base percentage instead of average He's a great target. And even average, he's going to hit for a solid average just because he has a, such a solid eye. Not much for speed, but everything else, he's just a solid outfielder. You can draft him confidently probably in 12-teamers, definitely 15-teamers. You want him, he can be a third outfielder. Lourdes Guriel, also, I can understand it. I'm personally not big on him, but he does have that potential, like you said. He, he literally only played 63 games. If you double that, it's only going to be 126. And even then, you're looking at minimum 20 home runs, 80 RBIs, hits about 270, 280. He reminds me of his brother. Maybe a little, maybe he strikes out a little more. But his brother has also said that he's the better hitter in the family. So take that for what it's worth. And, I mean, yeah, Robus, Soto got the chance last year because Robus got hurt. Robus was supposed to be the guy. And he was even being drafted in redraft leagues last year because he was supposed to get the opportunity. Well, it looks like he's not only getting the opportunity, but he's, not even, you know, he's, starting, with the big, he's starting up with the big club. We know he has the speed upside. He, people just forget that he actually has the 512 upside. He actually does have a little pop in his game. So at the end of the day, if he hits 15 and, and steals 30, I can understand why you love him. I don't have enough of him. Honestly, we, we all know Turner at this point is an injury, uh, injury-prone guy. Eaton's an injury-prone guy. But Eaton, Eaton is the kind of guy who gets hurt. Ryan Zimmerman's been hurt. Not that he's playing the outfield, but – I think, so, yeah, I think Robles is, is – is, he has the opportunity to do some serious damage this year, and, you know, he will get his opportunities, I think. Yeah, I mean, even though he's batting at the end of the like, – like I said, I, was, I, was, I just looked it up on our resource. He's projected to hit eighth at the moment. Now, that's going to hurt his still upside a little bit, but Trey Turner's injury history, Adam Eaton's injury history. There's a few others. I mean, Dozier last year was hurt. 
Zimmerman can't stay healthy. Although Zimmerman, like you were saying, Zimmerman doesn't play the outfield. It's still another position in the lineup. He could get bumped up. Ultimately, he should provide solid value. It is a little discouraging to see him at the bottom of the lineup, but there's still nothing but upside because you're still getting him at a pretty solid value. So now Roto and head-to-head categories, they're very similar. I go with a similar approach into both. We're going to cover a little bit of head-to-head categories. The main difference, at least for me personally, is you, you in head-to-head categories, you have the opportunity to essentially punt a, uh, punt a category because most of them, most head-to-head categories leagues, especially the ones I'm, I'm in, they say it's six by six or five by five. You get pretty much a win or loss per category, essentially. So because of that, I'm more prone to go into my draft punting a category. So if I punt a category, I better make sure it's worth it because if I'm punting, for instance, I'll punt batting average. But if I'm punting batting average, it's because I'm damn sure getting Gallo and Hamilton probably on my team. Guys that I know are going to hit like 230 or less, but a guy that's probably going to get me 30 to 40 stolen bases and a guy that's going to get me 40 plus home runs. So if you're going to punt a category, Punt it for guys that are going to be extreme benefits in other categories. I will only punt one category because if you start punting two categories, you're getting it's risky because there's going to be weeks where the category you're punting, you might just win it because it's head to head. And that's just part of, you know, the luck of it. But you can go in with a legitimate strategy of punting one category and really build a solid team and foundation around knowing that you don't have to worry about that one category because it's one of those category you're trying to fill while everybody else is trying to fill it with whatever means necessary. So that's, that's a legitimate strategy you can go into head-to-head categories with. And again, with head-to-head categories, just like Roto, you got to know your categories. There's funky ones out there. There's ones with K per nine. There's ones with – I play with funky categories. I have a league that has a K per nine, home runs per nine, just stuff like that. You just got to be mindful. There's no saves. There's no holds. So unless they're elite closers that have the great K per nine and the really low, low hit home runs per nine, so closers are useless. It always goes back to, at the end of the day, just know your scoring system and know your categories. John, do you want to go ahead and uh, do you have anything, give any thoughts on this? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I believe uh, the head-to-head also comes down to the last week of the season, and you also need to be wary of when your playoffs are and how your uh, commissioner in your league and when he scheduled the playoffs and realize that a lot of times the last week of the season – a lot of these players are sitting on the bench preparing for the playoffs. Um, that's another thing to keep in mind. That doesn't really happen in Roto so much as opposed to just you're going to lose the stats of, say, like a, a Mookie Betts who's sitting on the bench because they have clinched the division and they're resting up for the playoffs. So um, just to keep that in mind and, and, and realize that you, you need to prepare for that and prepare for the pitching as well because a lot of the times they're setting up their – their playoff pitching if they're in, in, in the playoffs and that's going to affect um, the last week of the season. A lot of the, a lot of the leagues that I play in, I make sure that the playoffs are in the second to last week of the league and ending on September 2nd this year, I believe. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Be mindful of your playoffs. And, be, and because of that, if you know guys are going to sit, try to plan accordingly, try to get their backups. Like, Somebody, for instance, Mookie Betts was a good example. Maybe Brock Holt gets those good gets those games. Holt isn't Betts, but Brock Holt would be a good example of somebody you might want to grab for that week to stream. So that's obviously down the road. You need to get to the championship first before you can plan for it. That's always been that's always a big thing for me because people are always like like it goes back to football because again head to head really correlates well with football. People are so worried about uh, schedule like playoff schedules. I'm worried about getting to the playoffs first. So play week play week by week. 
never think too far ahead. Because if you think too far ahead, it might just screw you out of winning to get to where you're trying to get type of thing. Like, you don't want to be too far ahead and, out, and outthink yourself. So sometimes, yeah. simple, sometimes simple is better. And also, I guess also going off your pitching and what you're talking about just in general with head-to-head leagues, most head-to-head categories leagues, at least the ones I'm in, are still daily. But be, again, keep in mind, they can be weekly. So if they're weekly, two-star pitchers get kind of funky. You want to be kind of careful. It, it can be a weird balance, a delicate balance, because if you're going to try for those two-star pitchers, they can really kill you on, on, your, on your ratio stats, but they can help you win Ks and wins. So it's a matter of risk-reward, what you're willing to balance or what you're willing to give up to win certain categories, I should say. I just I can't, I can't harp on it enough. Know your damn league. Know the stats. Know the categories. Know what things are worth. Know all that good stuff. Absolutely. So when it comes to head-to-head categories, and I guess Roto, like the three guys that John mentioned before, most of the guys apply to both formats because they're very similar. Three guys I like to go for in these formats, head-to-head categories or Roto, I like to go with a Ketel Marte is one of them. He's just a guy going at the end of your drafts. He has second base shortstop eligibility. He should gain outfield. But Adam Jones did throw a wrench into all this. So last I checked, he should still be leading off this team. I don't see who would stop him from starting at shortstop most games. And I still think at the end of the day, the guy, he flashed a little bit of power. I mean, I think he hit 15 home runs. This off the top of my head. I think he hit 15 home runs last year with like six or seven stolen bases. He has had double-digit steals in a season before. And not to mention, I think he's like in a 97th percentile sprint speed. So you add that together with leading off and a team that's probably going to have to manufacture runs. I don't see how he doesn't get at least 10 steals, 10 to 15 home runs. He's a guy you can get end of drafts for, like I said, it goes back to the depth of your rosters. If you don't have a middle infield position or five outfielders and it's a shallow 12 teamer, I don't know if you're rostering them, but a deeper 12 team mix for, I would definitely roster him and anything beyond that 15 teamers for sure. You could draft him. He's safe. He's not, and he's also good for batting average late. He's very similar to my next guy actually. Cause another, the next guy I'm going to discuss is uh, Jorge Polanco. He was on my breakouts list. I love him. I'm, I'm staying by it. Came back from that PED suspension, had like seven home runs, six or seven steals hit for like 272, 80. same type of guy, but actually has a higher ceiling. I think, He's, he's going to be back for a full season. He's leading off for the Twins in a sneaky good lineup in a really bad division. Other than the Indians pitching, there's really nothing else I'd really worry about in that division pitching-wise. So there's no reason why I don't, he doesn't come in full season, healthy, not, not getting suspended, hopefully, for PEDs again. And just like I said, I think 15-15 as far as like home runs and steals, I think that's legitimately his potential. And I think he, you can also sprinkle in, what, 80 runs because he's going to be batting leadoff for the Twins, 80 to 90 runs, 60 to 70 RBIs. And, again, he's good for a solid 270-280 average. He is legitimately a solid uh, middle infield guy, maybe a late shortstop. John, what are your thoughts? I'm going to have to agree with you there. He is a late-round flyer. I think he, you know, he, he would fit in nicely on a, you know, a league that might have a middle infielder. Like you said, he plays in a division, as I was going to mention, other than, you know, the AL East or the NL East, that he's going to, you know, he's going to be able to get some hits because of the pitching situation in, in that division. It's not very good. He's, he's definitely going to get his steals and he's going to get on base. Minnesota does have a good squad this year. Well, I'm, I'm glad you agree with me on Polanco. He's a guy I've been touting since the beginning of the offseason, so I'm still on board. 
And the last guy I'm, I'm going to bring up is another Polanco, but it's Gregory Polanco. I just can't get enough of Polanco. He's a guy that I'm getting at the end of a lot of my drafts. And the reason why he's falling is because he's coming off an injury. But he is progressing better than expected off that injury. There was talks of him actually potentially getting in some spring training games, but I don't think that that's not going to come to fruition. He's going to likely start the year on the IL. That's going to take some getting used to, by the way. I'm sure for all of us, DL, IL. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, that, but, hey, that's the important thing the MLB worries about every offseason. I digress. Gregory Polanco, he was having that – he was finally, I think, having that breakout everybody expected after the 2016 year when he regressed in 2017. was coming in, bounced back, was on – I think pretty sure on pace for that 2020 year that I keep expecting from him. And then – Got the, got hit with that shoulder injury. You're getting you're getting the discount on him. He's going late, and he provides solid power speed combo. And if you if you notice a trend, I love getting these types of guys late. Speed is so expensive. It come it just it's hard to come by. You want it, it, so if you can get it late, it's always a good thing. And these guys are all guys that give you a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, and don't bottom out your batting average. And batting average speed two categories late that people look to fill and these guys all kind of give you those. So those are three, like I said, those are my three guys. They fit both head to head categories and roto leagues. Definitely go out and get at the end of your drafts. So. And they're also batting, sorry to interrupt. They're also batting higher in the lineup as opposed to some of these other players that are being drafted later that are batting like sixth, seventh or eighth. These, these guys you mentioned are batting first, second, you know, and fifth in the lineup, which is going to provide more at-bats and they're going to get on base. Exactly. So driving, driving home my point, I'm never going to complain when someone helps me out or, or pushes up my guy's values. So thank you for that one. Just to recap, my guys were Catel Marte, Jorge Polanco, Gregory Polanco, and John's guys were Robles, Winker, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Well, with that being said, that about wraps everything up, guys. This is kind of a quicker podcast, especially for having four co-hosts, all four of us on today. We, as always, we appreciate you listening. What we wanted to do was bring you some – we just wanted to bring you some last-minute help with your drafts. We know it's the final big draft weekend of the year, and this hopefully this can give you a little bit of last-minute help, a lot, like some of our strategies, some of our ideas, some guys we like to target. Otherwise, good luck. We wish you guys the best of luck, of course. Yeah, good luck to everyone out there. And uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and check out some of our work on the FSGN.com. And before I forget, we actually have our inaugural Listeners League. This is our first one. I honestly am surprised. We, got, uh, we had one guy DM us on Twitter and asked us if we were going to do one. And I was like, no way, we had that much interest. And not only do we have enough interest, but we actually extended it from 12 teams to 15 teams. We couldn't do it without you guys. We're super excited. I mean, unfortunately, you have to lose, but it's, we're super excited. <laughs> and I'm going to – I mean, obviously, I have to shine. I have to. I'm going to, I should say. I'm going to shine. We picked Roto, even though two of our guys here might prefer points. You know, we decided uh, – we went ahead and decided on doing a Roto League, a very, a very standard one. We went ahead and decided to make it 15 teams to go ahead and accommodate all the extra interest we were getting. And the reason why we chose Roto, we went ahead and put out a poll. And I'd say – I think about – I think it was 40 to 45% of of over I think two hundred votes gave us uh, Roto as their decision. It was a it was a strong majority. You guys ha- so essentially you guys chose it. We just are kind of accommodating the majority vote. So that being said, we're going to be hosting that on Sunday, one p.m. Eastern. 
<laughs> 10 o'clock for our West Coast guys. So that's going to be fun. You get to wake up and draft. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited, though. <laughs> well, I would hope so because you're going to – I mean, I don't know why you're excited to lose, but you're excited. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, in all seriousness, again, guys, we wouldn't have a listeners league without the listeners. This was super cool. We, I, I'm not going to lie. The other three hosts here were way more confident than I was about filling it. I thought there was no way we had enough people that actually cared about us that much. I can't, we can't thank you enough. And with that, we'll see, uh, we'll see you guys on Sunday. And the rest of you guys, we'll talk to you soon. Happy drafting. <laughs>